Welcome to Building Bridges, ACMCU's premier podcast, where we discuss, debate, and examine contemporary issues facing Muslim-Christian relations in the United States and abroad. I'm your host, Andrew Condon, Digital Communications Manager for ACMCU. The Center for Muslim-Christian Understanding was founded in 1993 at Georgetown University with a mission to improve relations between the Muslim world and the West, building bridges of understanding between Islam and Christianity. In this program, we will speak to experts, faith leaders, authors, and influencers about how their work is shaping the discourse and fostering interfaith dialogue within their respective communities. Laila Al-Aryan is an Emmy award-winning journalist and producer whose recent documentary, The Ban, shed light on the impact President Trump's travel ban has had on refugee communities in the Middle East. Lila recently gave a talk and screened her film here at the center and joins us on this episode of Building Bridges. Thank you so much for coming on to speak with us here at ACMCU. Now, for those listening at home, could you give a, a bit of a background about who you are and what you do and how you got started on, on your career? Sure. My name is Leila Larian. I'm the executive producer of a show called Fault Lines, which is an Emmy and Peabody award winning show on Al Jazeera English. Um, we make 25 minute documentaries on topics related to U.S. policy and the U.S.'s role in the world. So some of the documentaries I've produced um, are related to abortion restrictions in the U.S. and the role in the 2012 election, uh, the rise of Donald Trump and why so many Republicans supported him in the 2016 election, um, s- the impact of surveillance on Muslim com- in other targeted communities, uh, the impact of the heroin crisis on children in a small community in Ohio. So really it just runs the gamut, so many different topics, but all related to the U.S. in some way. And for those who may not know your your work and and your body of work, how did you get involved in reporting, uh, if not for Al Jazeera, but in general, what brought you to choose this life? Yeah, I um, ever since I was a young child, I just loved journalism. I could see uh, the impact of the media on people's perceptions of the world, on people's perception of world events, everything from, you know, the first Gulf War, which was the first time, um, it was sort of CNN's breakout moment. So the way that that war was reported um, live on cable news really impacted people's view of it. Um, and, and these were very formative sort of experiences I had as a child kind of taking in the world through the news. Um, growing up, we always had cable news on. Um, you know, my father would get newspapers, magazines. Um, he, You know, my family was just always keeping up with the latest. And personally, I was very nosy and I loved to write and I loved to just meet and talk to people. So it was kind of a natural career for me. Um, and then I came to Georgetown and I worked at the Hoya. Um, the student newspaper here and did some reporting uh, as a student. I also took a couple of journalism classes, but um, Georgetown didn't have a journalism major, so I did English literature and a minor in history, which I think are two really relevant fields. Um, And then I started working for a magazine on the Middle East called the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs based here in D.C. Um, And after that, I worked for a community newspaper here in, in D.C. also, covering everything from liquor license regulation to rats in DuPont Circle <laughs> to graffiti. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. There, are, there are rats in DuPont Circle. <laughs> there still are. Yeah, so still are. I was doing this in, what, 2004. So, okay. yeah. So the film that you just worked on for Fault Lines, actually, I believe it w- won an Emmy. 
um, the band. Now, for for those that know your written work, are journalists now film producers? Is that something that is a natural, organic shift in this, you know, 2018 world where a lot of, um, you know, communicative media is visual? It's a good question. I think um, I always saw myself as, as being a writer, first and foremost, and working for a newspaper, maybe as a foreign correspondent for a major American newspaper. And then, um, you know, for a variety of reasons that didn't work out, but one of which was I graduated from journalism school in 2006, and it was around the time that newspapers were basically like hemorrhaging money and hemorrhaging staff. There were just massive cuts. Um, and even though I had a pretty prestigious internship um, that then turned into a fellowship and I co-wrote a book at the age of 25, I found even after that book came out that it was really difficult to find a full-time job in print media. Um, I wasn't even getting interviews. Like I just wasn't even getting uh, in the door. So um, I looked around and what was hiring Al Jazeera English was this new channel. They had a huge office in DC and they were actually hiring and growing and investing money in journalism and uh, that sort of precipitated my shift into uh, visual and video um, journalism and I sort of haven't looked back in some ways I think um, the building blocks of journalism are, are there and uh, you know in print and also in uh, in v sort of visual media and I think in 2018 there is a lot of convergence like there's no doubt about that um, you sort of have to do it all and if you can shoot and edit and write and produce and you know the more skills you have the more marketable you are but um, in some ways my career was sort of a casualty of um, a result of sort of the changing um, you know business of journalism. So Al Jazeera produces content all around the world um, and I'm assuming that you get to do some traveling and while well, as you tell your stories for you what is the most alluring part of your job what 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 gets you up in the morning you say I'm up I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do my job what's the one thing that always just energizes you the most about being a, a journalist in, in this age I think it's just telling stories and it's meeting people who are impacted by policies or impacted by you know something serious whether it's the heroin epidemic and meeting families who've been torn apart because um people's addictions basically and children who've been abandoned and telling their stories or meeting people who've been affected by the travel ban and and how sort of the fallout of that policy on their personal lives but it's really getting um helping sort of an audience understand the human impact of a policy and also holding the power to account so i think a lot of what we do is um, we doorstep people. So it's we, we go to whether, the, whether it's going into the halls of Congress and trying to ask, um, you know, lawmakers questions or trying uh, to hold a corporation accountable and, and getting a sit down with an executive, whatever it is. I think it's asking tough questions and telling human stories. So in the news recently, there's been a lot of pushback on reporters in general, um, often being vilified by those in uh, leadership positions, especially in the United States, being seen as quote-unquote enemies of the people. Um, now, journalism and the freedom of the press has been a statute in this country for a very, very long time. In a sense, quintessentially an American ideal. Do you think that the press and the freedom of the press to tell the stories that need to be told is more important now in this time, or is it something that is always going to be very important? And would you like to speak on that? Yeah, I think the importance of the press is is um, sort of vital to any free society. 
um, and their ability to do um, their work in freedom without any pressure, without any incitement is crucial to maintaining democracy, to maintaining um, an open society, and to holding the power to account. And I think what you see now, which is this vilification of reporters, of journalists, is because those in power don't like to be scrutinized, they don't like to be criticized, and they don't like to be investigated. And I think um, the best pushback to that is for reporters to keep doing their jobs and, and to keep doing great work and, and sort of shedding light on uh, injustice and on um, policies that um, should be exposed. So in, in the film that you just aired here at ACMCU, it was a very touching story. Did you want to speak anything about how, how you emotionally you went through being able to tell these stories that, I mean, I, I mean, half of the room was was very emotionally um, impacted and rightfully so. It's not an easy subject. So, to tell the stories that need to be told, how do you how do you do that when when they're so emotional and so so you know hard to be able to you know bear witness to? Yeah, I think um, that was one of the most difficult stories I've ever worked on as a journalist. Um, and actually, when we um, you know, on the last day we were in Istanbul, when we, so we're following the story of the Syrian refugee family. Um, for those listening who haven't seen it, it's called The Ban. So if you type in The Ban Fault Lines on YouTube, you can find it and stream it for free. But um, we tell the story of a Syrian refugee family with two sick children who are unable to come to the U.S. because of the travel ban. And um, one of the children dies on our last day in Istanbul. And it was just incredibly heartbreaking to see this family go through this horrendous experience. And to even ask the father to do an interview after he just lost his son was the hardest thing I've ever had to do as a journalist. Um, but I think he and his wife both understood the importance of that moment to just be able to um, really plead to the world to look at their case and to really reconsider um, the fairness and um, sort of just just to, to look at the travel ban and really ask hard questions about it and whether it's uh, a blanket ban, whether a blanket ban makes sense or is an ethical or right thing or even productive thing to do. Um, so after we did that interview with him, after he just lost his son, I don't even think he'd buried him yet. Uh, we were on the way to the airport to come back to the U.S. and I just started like vomiting and it was just a reaction to how difficult it was to have that experience. Um and then it just continued for weeks and weeks. And I thought I had an ulcer and I got like checked out. And in the end, it wasn't an ulcer. But um, what my doctor told me, he, he pointed to my um, stomach and he said, this pointing to my stomach is, is being caused by this, which is my head and sort of like all the emotions. So I just realized, you know, in that moment that it's really important as a journalist to sort of seek seek help and seek care when you need it, because a lot of the stories we cover are so tragic and are so difficult, and some of the experiences of families are um, just really tough to go through. And and of course, you feel that guilt. You're like, well, if I'm feeling so bad, imagine the family that's at the center of it and how they must be feeling, and this isn't about me. But what was incredibly helpful was I did this fellowship at Columbia um, called the Ockberg Fellowship um, at the Dart Center, which is really just focusing on um, you know journalists who've gone through trauma or PTSD or um, who've just really had a hard time with some of the stories they've covered because of the really heavy topics and it was just really nice to spend a week with other journalists who'd had similar experiences and to talk about kind of coping mechanisms and like sort of medically and scientifically like what's going on when you're going through this stuff. I'm so sorry you had to go through that and thank you so much for sharing. I have to say that's probably something that a lot of people at home 
don't even think about is that the reporters who are telling these stories, who are going out and, and, and risking not only their lives, but their emotional well-being, it takes a toll. And it's a service that's being provided. Um, and I, you know, I want to thank you just you know, for the work that you're doing and, and for being someone who has the strength to do it. Um, following up on that, on the band itself, on the film, so it, it has uh, achieved some recognition with, with the Emmy. Do you know if the families or the family, um, one of the families who are spotlighted, do they, do they know that the film has been seen and been so well received by people? And has that maybe provided them some, I wouldn't say closure, but a way to know that their story is being told? Yeah, definitely. So I've been in regular contact with um, Abdel Ghani, Abdel Jawad, the father who's sort of at the center of the film. Um, and it's been really nice because oftentimes we as journalists kind of parachute into places and we ask people to sort of, you know, tell their stories in some of the most difficult circumstances of their lives. And then we sort of disappear and they never hear from us again. And you sort of feel weird about that. But in this situation, I've been able to really just keep regular contact with this family and follow up with them and see how they're doing. And they've just been really touched and really gratified by the re response Um you know, UNHCR um, expedited their case um, after our film came out and they've now settled in Germany and are sort of trying to rebuild their life after their huge loss. They've had another child. And, you know, I think even though it's been so difficult um, losing their child and kind of losing the hope of, of building a life with him and with their other kids in the U.S., um, what's kind of given them comfort is just people's... Um, support and sympathy that they've received have you yourself had have you been surprised by the reaction that this film has had on people or like were there any people's reactions that you didn't expect um who've seen the film and been able to respond yeah i think i've been really surprised we cut it down aj plus which is a sort of our digital al jazeera's digital arm um, on social media cut it down um to a few minutes and I think between AJ Plus and AJ Plus Espanol, it received like 40 million hits and people were incredibly moved. They raised money for the family. They reached out, like just tremendous outpouring of support. I think in some ways it's because it's kind of the most dramatic example of a family that's been impacted by the travel ban. I think a lot of the other reporting sort of showed less, um, you know, consequential um, fallout. So I think in that sense, it really touched people. And then it's just on a very human level, like a lot, you know, people can respond and relate to loss um, in whatever form. And it's kind of like the worst case scenario. But um, yeah, I've been really surprised by the reaction. And I think with the Emmy, there were so many other, um, you know, great contenders in that category. It's a really, really tough category. There were films from, you know, Iraq and Syria. So I was incredibly surprised that it got that recognition, but really grateful. Thank you so much. Um, just to kind of um, follow up, I know um, that you know you you were able to speak on behalf of the importance of journalism and the the importance of being a conscious and mindful consumer. For for folks who may not know, you know how to be aware of their own bias. For example, if someone you know listens to bit, let's say one news outlet and has only one paper in their town. You know, how can that person be aware of their own bias and, 
and what can they do as a re- to be able to be a more open and a conscious uh, um, c- citizen and informed um, person? I think people just need to seek out as many sources of information as possible and just really expand their world. I think oftentimes people are drawn to outlets that they think will just um, confirm their biases and um, confirm their suspicions or sort of more like diatribes than than actual reporting and to just try to seek out facts as much as possible and expose yourself to different viewpoints. I think that only, you know, expands your horizons and educates you. Excellent. Well, thank you again so much for talking with us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Building Bridges, brought to you by ACMCU. Follow us on Twitter at ACMCU and like our Facebook page at ACMCU.Georgetown. Feel free to submit any questions and tune in for upcoming episodes.